Welcome to EM Healing, which is hosted by myself, Mahatma Star Seed. And when you dive into our episodes, you are going to be inspired to grow, to shift, to reflect on your inner wealth. If you are looking to find a new way of living, you have found it. So enjoy this wonderful episode that we're tuning into right now. All right. Hello, much love and light, everyone. This is Mahatma Starseed, and you are tuning in to another dynamic episode on EM Healing. We are here expanding our awareness on how we are bonding with our healing. And I have with me today our co-host from Less Nobodies, Sunshine Monet. I'm going to let her take a moment to introduce herself before we jump into today's episode. Take it away, Sunshine. Peace, peace, everyone. Um, my name is Sunshine Monet L. I am the owner and creator of Less Nobody's Business. Uh, I manifest the Less Nobody's Business with the intentions of aligning and edifying all beings of this universe, the last and the next, and you know, providing awareness to the interdependency of all energies of this universe, the last and the next. And so, yeah, that's, that's self and that's, that's the extension of self. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for sharing the space on the podcast. It's so awesome to have fellow tribe mates, guests, the stage of healing and to see how you know, we could just be more transformative together and expand the conversation of healing. You know, when I first started doing this, a lot of people used to be like, well, I, I didn't really have to, you know, nothing on my body physically broke or anything. So like, what, what do you mean by healing? And um, that was one of the major reasons why I started the podcast, because so many of us out there uh, associate healing with broken parts, exposed parts of a self on the physical body. However, these are things that are happening to us on non-physical platform that we cannot just see just by the modern eye walking down the street to see if someone has healed or is healing or working through how they've healed in life. And mm-hmm. There's some people out there that, that, you know, we, you'll get to a point in consciousness to when, you know, we realize we are already healed, right? There's, or there's nothing to heal. We are healed beings. And um, I feel like there's a level to awareness for all vocabulary that we use. So at this level of healing, it's, something that's soothing to the soul uh, to bring, um, I guess you could say gentler occurrences, you know, some, you know, just being able to like smooth over, like if you're going to put icing on a cake, are you just going to put the icing on the cake or are you going to put, you know, use that nice fork and smooth it all out and make it look (laughs) edible. So please tell us, how did you put the icing on your cake and make it look edible? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, honestly, it was more so like trying to figure out what the cake is supposed to look like at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out if how I put the icing on was good enough and I'm looking at other people's cakes. Like, I don't know. They don't have as many strokes and streaks on theirs as I do on mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great um, way to put it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been on a, a journey of trying to figure out what it feels like or what it looks like to actually declare yourself as healed from a situation. I don't, I do come from a ground of a foundation of individuals who have a lot to heal from. However, I don't see them as healed beings. I see them as they just, eh, and shoulder shrug. And so that's what I've learned to imitate despite um, how much it hurts. (laughs) On those like random mornings you wake up, there's a, I've learned over not last year, maybe the year before that, the um, the concept of emotional memory. And just like how we have muscle memory, we have, you know, emotional memory where there's something catastrophic or, you know, awesome happened on a certain date. The next year on that date, you might automatically feel those emotions because it was such a grand event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had a lot of that uh, as far as waking up. And yeah, I, I'd say I feel both. It's just, uh, it has become easier to remember the bad than it does the good. And so I uh, I try to I try to train my mind because I'm a Virgo. I can be an overthinker and an overworrier. I have a lot of placements in Virgo. And so like, it's, it's easy for me to get swept up in my thoughts. I call it spiraling. And a lot of my overall themes of my childhood, my foundation has been rooted in the terms of abuse and neglect and things like that. So I allow those to become the bigger picture until I figure out what healing them look like. <laughs> right. I like that you express like those spiraling moments um, of, of remembrance and you know, the difference between being able to remember more difficult memories versus uh, more happier memories. You know, it. I feel like we're coming to a place in, in our healed mindsets that if we put ourselves in positions of happiness that can be difficult, will that be able to redirect the way that we've been transitioning through life thus far you know i think that like you know having you know transmuting that muscle memory into more positive energetic uh happenings and events and experiences and that thus training your mind and your heart to do such things yes i do i do definitely um believe that i practice it I have attempted to practice it in unhealthy ways <laughs> as far as uh, with certain pursuits and thinking that replacing them would ultimately uh, heal the initial, I guess, trauma of things. Uh, a better, like a more precise example would be, hold on one moment, because I'm sure you guys can hear my dog's footsteps in the background. <laughs> um, more, 
It's actually not as loud as he is on Zoom. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I can hear him. He's like distracting me. Mm-hmm. A more precise example would be like my my experience in relationships, more so my experience with men in general. Uh, when I was younger, about four or five years old, I was sexually abused by my grandfather. And um, for me as a child, the way it was explained to me was this was just, you know, something me and my grandfather did when it, when we were alone, when we were together. It was actually something I looked forward to. I didn't think anything of it because it wasn't expressed to me as uh, um, this is something bad. We're doing something bad. I'm doing something wrong. Right. It was expressed to me like, oh, you know, it's our playtime. This is what we're doing now. This is what you do when you're with him. And so as I got older and, you know, people started feeling more comfortable allowing me to sit in a room and watch things with them, Lifetime movies, for example, and things like that. Um, once I graduated into that spiel of conversation and things, I realized what kind of interactions me and my grandfather were having. And I'm like, wait, but I liked it. And but I'm watching these films and listening to these stories of people on TV and listening to stories of other people. And they're like, no, you know, this is bad. This is this. This is that. So I I felt dirty. Um, and my way of solving that was, well, <laughs> in that space, I was being taken advantage of in my mind. I still I still battle with that of feeling like I was being taken advantage of versus feeling dirty and feeling like I was OK with it. And maybe there's something wrong with me because I was OK with it. My adolescent mind thought that it would be a good idea to engage in experiences with other peers, other male peers or whatever, where I was more so in control and less of I'm being taken advantage of. Mm. And so I dealt with promiscuity with that mindset. And it also put me in situations where I was still being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. um, I have been raped a few times. I've been in abusive relationships. I've experienced all those things in my pursuit of trying to not be a victim in my sexuality. <laughs> mm -hmm. And now I'm into a space of where I just I just want to be by myself. <laughs> I um you know last year I spent the year with uh someone who seemed very level headed and was my first time being in any type of relationship with someone of the opposite sex and it not feel like an abusive uh sexually abusive whether it's me abusing myself or the other person abusing me and I didn't know what to do I didn't I didn't know what to do I still was like even after the encounters I still felt dirty I still felt like something was wrong I I wasn't I didn't enjoy myself I didn't really like so I haven't really conquered it. All that to say, I haven't really conquered that space in my life to know what it felt like, feels like to be healed. I did attempt to do the muscle memory thing. <laughs> and um, I will admit that certain mindsets that I've had when it comes to the opposite sex has changed as far as everybody just seeming bad and manipulative and things. Um. No, I just lied to you. I still feel that way. I don't know, sis. I'm still healing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's and that's and and these are valid, you know, shares that you're giving and and the whole 
we are always in this space of healing our mindset and being able to comprehend, right, that there's multiple levels of us, right? There's the balance of the physical and the mental and then the emotional and the spiritual. Mm. And knowing that, you know, all of those parts of me, none of that needs to be healed. What needs to be healed are are the experiences that those parts of me had to endure over time. Right. And, and being able to emphasize the share is where that first level of healing happens, right? Because we have to feel comfortable with speaking it before we even get to a place to unpacking it, you know? And like intrinsically unpacking it. And I feel like us as a society, we're still going to have that lingering feeling of, of, of healing through the sexual traumas because of the number one wound that is usually 99% of the time barely spoken about because we're still clearing up a lot of the generational stuff is how did we get here? Um, why are we here and how are we still here? And we're here through um, the birth of our spirit through this physical body. And that is a exposure to a new world, right? I feel like that's our first hurt because we are leaving somewhere that we feel comfortable, stepping into somewhere that we don't feel comfortable, that we don't know. And that has never really been addressed, but we're spending all of this time unpacking the layers that we put on top of that. And so when, when we have people that we, we attempt to exchange sexual energy, but they haven't unpacked a lot of that stuff and still have the biggest one to deal with, <laughs> you're going to feel like, I don't know if I even want to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, there's like there's so many parts that need to be um, considered in the actual sexual physical encounter of two two souls mating. Um, I feel like there has to be proper foreplay that has to commence before the physical act happens, and because all those desires are not happening you're going to feel sexually depressed before you even get far, far enough into the relationship because we're mm -hmm. just skipping over so many boundaries. And right there, you're being taken advantage of and you already feel it. Oh, I see. I like that. That's, um, and that is a big thing for me, foreplay, because I'm a very mental person. You have to... It's is I'm a I'm in layers. I'm like Shrek. I'm in layers, and <laughs> my mental layers are so dense, and they're there in abundance. And it's just like you have to get through the mental layers for me to feel anything or mm -hmm. be okay with things. And it's not really much of if any energy that goes towards that towards my mental. Um, and I notice, I notice before I notice, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. my spirit will notice before my, my outer pay attention. Mm -hmm. And 
it's like once my spirit notices, it's like my spirit kind of takes the wheel and I'll be, you know, spending my remaining days in this experience or relationship trying to chill, chill my spirit out. Like, oh my gosh, like he's so nice. Like, remember that one time he did that nice thing? Like, you don't have to act like this. But my spirit is, I call my spirit uh, lava rock because there's a lot of earth and fire energy is hot rock. And so, like, you know, when she has to take the wheel, she is not happy. It's like, you know, telling her to go somewhere where she ain't, she don't really want to be. Like, how dare you make me come out here and have to take the wheel to begin with? I don't, don't want to hear nothing you guys say. The mama that ain't got time for it. Right, basically. <laughs> And I'm over here pleading, like, please don't be too mean. I'm, I don't want to traumatize anything, anybody. And that's my biggest fear is being the cause of someone else's trauma. Mm. I've had individuals reach out to me and tell me that I traumatized them. One particular story was someone that I, if you want to call it dating, whatever, we held hands in the hallway in middle school. <laughs> and, huh. um, you know, it was somebody else that I wanted to hold hands down the hallway with in middle school and that traumatized him. And so I got a message about that. And um, honestly, I didn't, I, the outer self of me was kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened, whatever, whatever. But the inside of me was just like irritated. Like, sir, I've been sexually abused, physically abused, neglected. I've been all these things. I'm not worried about you being bothered about something. <laughs> right. And that's, you know, um, you know, and that's the the war that goes on with myself is like that outer self that just wants everybody to be okay. I want to help everybody. I want to solve everybody's problems. I want to help everybody reach their goals. I want to do all these things for other people. I want to be the person that I wish I had, you know, all those years, you know, look at my own wounds. And, you know, I was in, I was physically abused by my, my dad's girlfriend for like about seven, eight years. I lived with my dad from the time I was seven until I was almost 13. And my mom would pick me up and she would take pictures of my scars and my bruises and all that stuff. And um, and she was just keeping them. I never, you know, I never asked too many questions. I was, you know, I was scared. I didn't really want to say anything, but my mom knew, you know. So, you know, eventually she was able to take the pictures and stuff to court. And, you know, I was able to go into the, the chambers and tell the judge, you know, what I wanted. And this is one of the biggest war, wars within myself that I'm trying to, like, find some type of forgiveness in myself because I had an opportunity to press charges. I had an opportunity to say, you know what, like, I, I, I don't want this woman, you know, around. At that time, I had a younger sister. You know, my dad and his girlfriend had a you know daughter together, and in my and out my mouth was just like, no, I don't want anything bad to happen to her because she's my sister's mom. I just want to be safe, and I don't feel safe. Right. And that was a decision I made when I was twelve years old, and my my fire self was so mad at me. I should have pressed charges. I should have got all the retribution that I deserved. You know. And right. I didn't take that. And, you know, I don't think there's any becauses. I know that there's different rumors of her, you know, abusing her other child. I see the way my other sister, you know, her, how her temperament is. And I'm like, dang, if, you know, if you were just around dad, maybe you would have came out different. <laughs> like, you know, um, different things that I, you know, I wonder about. And then 
I realized, and then what started to make me angry is when I'm around that side of the family, it's like, they love this woman. This woman is like, the woman never abused me. Like nobody cares what she did to me. Everybody tells me, oh, you got to get over it. But then when it comes to her, it's like, oh, she grew up in abuse. That's why she abused you. So it's like, oh, so it's okay for her to utilize that as an argument for why she did that to me so many years. The same thing she didn't do to her own children. You know what I mean? So obviously it had something to do with me and who my mother was because they all went to high school together. So I was kind of like eating up karma from my parents. I was the punching bag to whatever was going on amongst them. And it's like, so it was cool that I had to take on that karma from whatever y'all had going on in high school. But, you know, for me to sit here and say, you know, I'm in pain and I'm hurting. Y'all don't want to talk to me about it. Y'all don't want to help me navigate through this or nothing. Like, it's just whatever, suck it up. And that kind of created a callus in my heart towards that side of the family. Mm, it's easy. It's easy to uh, create that. It's always going to be easy for us to reject people. It's in our, it's, it's embedded in our conditioning. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely my go-to. <laughs> right. Like, you know what? Reject it. You're rejected too. Going to reject you too. You, you, and you reject it (laughs) and you know there's and then there's that fine line of but they some part of this episode deserves rejection and it's like who's going to slow down enough to help you process that you know to help her process that I, I really feel for our community and our families because you know for every single person that thinks it's okay how she's living, they are also living in hurt that they think is okay too. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, you'll get to a point to where you'll turn into this happy Buddha because either you're happy or not, you know, and the not is those that live in life of, of neglect and th- those two really can't exist in in the world. So it's learning to how do we effectively transmute this energy? How can we uplift this energy from our from our people because they don't deserve it? And- right. I had to learn how to just like be comfortable in cleansing because I was raised in those spaces between, you know, the energy surrounding my godfather, my grandfather, because people knew he was a, a molest, and and that was crazy to me too. Like my thirteenth year, you know, I came out and I spoke on these things, like you know, all these things happened to me, and it was just like, oh yeah, we knew. Oh yeah, he used to touch me too. Wait, what? <laughs> so everybody knows that things like this are going on and it's just justified because this is this is the culture that my family has normalized. Like, oh yeah, you know, my uncle or my brother or my cousin, yeah, he be touching kids too, or you know, such and mm-hmm. such, such and such. And and it's just like shoulder shrug because you know, everybody in this in this realm gets touched. And it's like, wow, like I, I had to learn how to empower myself by just severing the tie because mm-hmm. I, during those times, I convinced myself that forgiveness meant acting like nothing ever happened. Mm. And I generated and manifested so many toxic experiences and relationships throughout my young adult life because in my mind, forgiveness was acting like it never happened. 
In the meantime, the fire inside of me is like done with me, not even giving me guidance or leaving, leading the way for me anymore. I don't hear her anymore. Mm. She doesn't even want to talk to me anymore. I had to have, it, it was, I don't even know what happened. It was just one morning I woke up and she was screaming and I had no choice but to listen. I had to sever the ties. You know, I was walking around this woman still acting like she was my stepmother, knowing that every time I was in her presence, I just wanted to punch her in her face. And I had to swallow to swallow myself because, you know, my son, he likes to be around my father. And I was very angry at him because even after he, he claims he never saw signs of abuse. Everybody saw it but him. I don't understand mm -hmm. that. But even within that claim, it was like, why didn't you say anything to me? And he still was with the woman afterwards. So I felt like that was a punch to me. Like, I just told you this woman abused me. We just went through court. You saw the photographs. You saw the judgment. You saw all these things. And you're still with this woman well enough to procreate and have another child. So now they have two children together. Mm. So mad. And and by them having, you know, a child, I eventually, you know, I had my youngest son. Um, you know, I was it it was a crazy predicament I was in, but it was not consensual. And so I had my son and um you know, now my son wants to be around my little brother. My son wants to be around my dad because I don't allow his actual biological dad to be around. Why? Because he's a pedophile. Right. You know, that situation I put myself in, uh, I take, you know, full ownership of my partake in that, you know, my mindset that I was in. And, you know, it is what it is. And I got shame for that because I won't tell anybody the story of how my son was conceived because it's no one's business. It's mine. <laughs> right. And then I got shamed for being honest with my son about how he was conceived. Well, that's, you know, that's between me and my child. My child has questions. I have answers. These things happen. And if I, and at, at the age of five, nobody was saying nobody should touch her. Why can't I tell my child at the age of 13, 14, the story of how he was conceived? Mm -hmm. to me. <laughs> you got to pick a team, guys. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, I just, I, and I would still sit around this woman and they would still, they would bring my son around this woman. This, this woman would call me and say, yeah, I was babysitting your son this weekend. I can't tell you the anger and the hurt and the pain and the fire I felt. I think that was the 180. I think that's when I decided, you know what? I'm done with this entire side of the family. Y'all just don't get it. You don't respect how I feel or what I think. And I'm tired of it. Uh-huh. And I stopped bringing my son around for a few years. And then now that he's a teenager, I allow him to go back because I've already armed him. Right. I, you know, I've told him what he needs to know. I allow us to have a certain kind of relationship that leaves room for him to tell me things. And that, and I've, I see that he learned going down there that they're not like that. They, they, they shoved him up the last few times he was down there. And he shared that with me. And I'm like, see, you know, and then they ask him a million and one questions about me and what I got going on and what I'm doing. But I'm, you know, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be bothered. I don't, I don't want to let that energy in anymore. I don't want to keep feeling like I got to pretend like I, I, you know, it's not about forgiving. And I think that, you know, we've been taught the, the slavish way of forgiving and forgetting. Right. I think definitely some slave master stuff. Because I don't want to forgive. You should. Forgiveness is only for you. 
Like for me. <laughs> I don't want to give it. I don't want to give it. <laughs> right. I'm comfortable here right now because I never allowed myself to feel my wounds. Like I said, I had been taught to act like nothing happened for so many years. Now I want to now I want to act like it did happen because I didn't allow myself to have that. Right. And time is not linear to me. And I, I and a lot of people like to utilize that argument. Well, it's too late now. You're an adult now. You can't, you can't, you can't. Well, no, yes, I can. <laughs> and I will and I am. <laughs> exactly. I have to make up for lost time. <laughs> so if it's if it wasn't put to bed properly, you we need to remake the bed and put it, you know. <laughs> That no one, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one can ever tell you how to rectify your emotions. If anything, we're here to support it. For me, I'll bleed it out of you. I'll be like, tell me it. Tell me what it is that you want to get out. Share it until you know what it is that's itching at you. You know, because if no one has let you ever share it, you know, there could be some compassion in there that that needs to come out, but it's riddled under all of the resentment of the ignoring. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's an answer in there somewhere that you could rectify for, for what's happening for us now. But if we keep saying that it's not there, it's not there. And I would have the same individuals, uh, similar things happening to me for my own healing from my concussion. And I would tell people like, listen, I know how to live my life with like expansiveness. I'm, I'm not confused between feeling depressed to not have energy and feeling my body's lack of energy I know the difference you know so when people would be like oh you look fine like there's nothing wrong with you You don't say that you have that anymore and I'm like why do you want to tell me I don't have something but I'm like I'm telling you I feel it still and you know that that even little minuscule comment it matters and even myself I'm working on being present for those sounds because we're so conditioned to speak back and forth you speak I speak you speak I speak that will shut down and not be present and be ready to respond with our response and oftentimes it's what we need to do and then other times we need to oh let's you know what let's unpack that what you just said there you know like where did it come from why why is it ensuing for you in in this mannerism so I, I, and I was listening to something the other day. I forgot what I was watching, but somebody had mentioned it. It was in reference to marriage, but I like to take advice and put it in many things. They said uh, to get over a divorce, it takes one month for every year you are married. I like to say people are married to their emotions. So you got to think about it. Like how many years have you been married to that emotion? And then you take that and you put it in the form of months. And that's how long it's going to take for you to really get out of that. I see. I like that. 
I feel like that makes more sense for us to comparable uh, relieving ourselves of stuff because we all get to this point to where, you know, we love our friends and our family and our acquaintances and we want to help them with their woes and stuff. But I always tell people after two or three moon cycles and I still hear you saying the same thing, what is it that you ain't listening to? Mm-hmm. You know, because the, the, the universe speaks in, in codes and signs. So if you didn't get the sign today, cool, I get that. But seven days, 14 days, now a moon has passed, changed through all of the zodiac signs. You haven't found a different emotion yet. You know, it, but it takes a person listening and, and the person has to, you know, the other person has to be willing to share the information to be able to get to that place to where someone's like, all right, I've heard you out now. How can I help you through this? And it's not like, I don't want to hear your shit anymore. Like, it's not to comment to, you know, forget. It's to comment Mm -hmm. to like, how can we move this forward for you? Right. I definitely agree with that. And it's important for people to do that and not keep taking on and listening to other people's problems. And I'll say, because I've been on both ends of that conversation and it's important for someone to say, you know what? I done gave you three moons. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. Because that allows the person to say, you know what? I can't keep coming to this person to throw me a pity party. Mm-hmm. I actually have to put in the work. And, you know, they might not be able to say that right away because in that space, they feel like they're being neglected again. Like, oh, here's another person that's neglecting me and this, that, and the third. But it does put them in a space where now they really have to lift up, lift those weights and gain that muscle that they need. Being alone is so important. You know, I know that we say that, you know, we need a village and it takes other people and things like that. And it does, because in those spaces where you are going to people and stuff, they're giving you different perspectives, different ways you can absorb the situation, deal with it, things. But that's for consideration. It doesn't have to be absolute. It's to put on your table. And when you play your cards out, you know, they give you more cards that you can lay on the table for yourself. But at the end of the day, it has to be you that's holding the deck, you that's playing the cards, because this is your growth. This is your DNA strand that you're healing. Like, I like what you said about, you know, um, people being, you know, people being okay with your trauma because they're dealing with some stuff that is traumatizing to themselves, too. They've normalized it to themselves. And it's true. And those are the only type of people that are going to keep the pity party going. Notice in their dialogue, everybody has the same problem every day, every week, every month. And then I noticed that uh, being in those pity parties, I had those pity party friends. And once I removed myself, like once I sat home and started laying my cards on the table by myself and I really started sorting through them, whether it was eating better for my health, losing weight, you know, I had the pity party for weight. You know, I had the pity party to stop drinking and smoking. Every time we around each other, we're going to stop drinking and smoking one day. And while we're drinking and smoking, <laughs> you know, I had the pity party with romantic relationships, the pity party with parenting. I had all these pity parties going on. We all were just trauma bonding together. And, mm-hmm. you know, I really had to sit down by myself and lay the cards out for me to do the work and do the healing and make things happen. And guess what? When I did, the pity parties went away. 
they didn't want to hang out with me no more. <laughs> they didn't want to be around me. Every time I was around them and I wasn't drinking or smoking, it was like, just take a shot. Just take a shot with it. Why? Didn't we spend all this time saying we wanted to quit? I finally did it. I did the work. Like, be happy for me. You know, be happy I pulled my kids out of school. We kept complaining about the public school education system for how many years? And now you're upset that I finally did the work? They get upset when you do the work because they don't think that you're ever going to do the work. Mm -hmm. it's the pity party it's the conversations that everybody comes to and they stick to so like being someone that actually wants to heal you have to start hearing those conversations differently and absorbing them different and and then come back to that one person who chose to be like you know what I gave you this amount of time you're not getting it together I gotta go on about my business you figure that out go back to that person and say thank you Mm -hmm. because that person did like the biggest thing that you needed in this space, in this, you know, in this journey space. Right. Like, and that's the definition of tough love, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and those are the most transformational moments when, when someone holds a candle of reflection to you and tell and help you to see, like, I, it, there's no way that you aren't as bright as me because I want to be able to see you as bright as I stand, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it. it's difficult, I know. And and that's why it always goes to the, the biggest trauma of all is how we got here. Who are we as we're being here? Because at the end of the day, if you understand your purpose for being here, you'd be less inclined to take things personally, you know? Um, So how do you feel like your children are growing up versus the the childhood that you had? Do you see the level up? Do you see the shift? Oh, yes, absolutely. I see the shift in in diet, most definitely. Um, I see it in health a lot of the health issues that quote unquote run in our family, they don't, they don't run through my children. Um, I see it in, uh, you know, in this space and time, my children have not dealt with any level of abuse whatsoever. They have not endured or witnessed any level of abuse. Um, You know, changing the dialogue, my children feel comfortable and confident communicating to any adult. And it's like when, you know, certain adults, you know, what where we come from, there's a child's place and you can't talk about everything. They're, they they supersede that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. just, I'm trying to teach them that even though I have brought them up in this way, there are a lot of individuals who have not been brought up this way. And that's okay, but, you know, let's be respectful, you know, of their bringing up, how they've been brought up. Um, you know, it, but it's definitely a big, a big step in the communication, them feeling comfortable communicating as children, having a say in things, having a say on themselves. You know, I'm not over here saying, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Ah, you got to do what I need you to be. Like, you got to be this, you got to do this. You got to like, you know, 
they they go to their own flow of things and it's a, a lot of time my indoctrination will get in the way like you know <laughs> I've been you know school was always my safe haven that was the place where I wasn't around the people that you know did things to me or said things to me and you know so I I excelled in school straight A student I I signed up for all the after school programs the longer I was in school the better which eventually turned into like a little war game with my dad's girlfriend because she would try to convince my dad to sign me out of after school programs and come home early and I, I just didn't understand that like if you hate me so much why do you want me around so badly like you just like having me around to do that I have I have so many questions but I, I don't want to be around I don't I don't want to ask them because even being in her space makes me angry like I'm, I'm just not there yet but you know it's just like little things that just really make it hard to to be so nonchalant like everybody else is around me. But I can honest, but that indoctrination in myself was definitely something I had to learn how to conquer because it turned me into a worker bee. I don't feel productivity to me has always equated to money. You know, how yeah. productive were you today means how much money you made today because that was also my upbringing. You know, whenever I would talk about the abuse, the rebuttal was, but I bought you $500 worth of clothes that one school year. I used to pay to do your hair. I bought you that Sunday school outfit in that in that picture. I bought you this, I bought you that. And then when they do stuff for other people and I call them and I say, hey, how you been? How you doing? It's, oh, I just bought, I just sent somebody $1,000. I just bought this $150 couch. I just bought this person, this, that. Like everything is about money to them. And I know that's where a lot of my just despising even though it's hereditary on a whole nother level with the federal <laughs> debt you know that is a lot of where like my hatred for money comes from because for them that's their crutch to allow them to do and say whatever they want to do is say and uh, I would I would like to say that with my children they don't have that you know I I was feeling bad for a long time that I wasn't whining and dining children the way I like to or way I felt like they deserved and I couldn't give them all these things you know um and then they would get around these family members and come home with bags of sneakers and clothes and toys and just things that I I couldn't give them because I was trying to give them other things I was trying to give them different experiences you know however when they go down there those experiences look like gold right so you know um that is you know I, I'm glad to say not so much in my seven-year-old right now because he's still young but in my 16 year old he knows the difference right you know what I used to tell my kids I still tell my kids this now I used to let them know that you are receiving these gifts because of the love that I give out mm. because if I didn't converse with these people they wouldn't know who you are and they wouldn't be giving you no gifts right you know so that's and and that's you know when our world has been so crippled and separation has been like rampant that we don't get to accept that our wealth comes in in pockets right and your mm -hmm. family fits in your pocket and why are we looking at our source income is only like what individually you're making and that's why our communities don't know how wealthy they are because they've never i'm pretty sure i can put this on a on a freaking poster and people will co-sign this shit how many people can you say that i've sat with at least 10 or plus of my family members and we've calculated how much money we make together oh yeah no never that. <laughs> i don't want to count money with them people <laughs> 
like we could be sitting in five hundred thousand dollars worth of money. We could be mm-hmm. sitting in a million and not know it because we're separatists. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm very, um, I'm very inclusive and creative as much as I can with my children, because I'm such a, a, a big energy, people always give my stuff to my kids. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I've, I have contributed to their toys collection, maybe like 2% over the duration of their life. Yeah, I can I, agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I've always allowed other people, because if other people are going to get it for them, why am I struggling to go get them something that somebody else going to get them? Right. Let me get them what I know that they need and let other people ask them, well, what do you want for Christmas? So that that they can create that that dialogue. And now that they're older, I make sure that they're reaching out to those people and letting them know to say thank you and not to just receive the gift. Mm-hmm. And like even with like, you know, I, I remember when I was growing up, you know, I have a large family. My grandmother had 10 kids and they had kids you know so she used to get as as much as she could she's from Puerto Rico she still hasn't learned how to speak English so you know she's not well versed into the feng shui of America and she would get what she would get for us and I remember my 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 brother had said something very inconsiderate about the gift that she got him got everyone taken off of the gift list. And then she just started giving out like $5 or $10 mm. here, here and there. So I used to, uh, I used to help my children know a little bit more how to be a little bit more conventional. Still the conditioning comes in because they just, just used to receive gifts so much. They're just like, now they're keen to it. And they're like, um, so did, did did Theo call you and tell you when he's gonna give you my gift? Like, <laughs> like they're really, like they know they're gonna get this gift. You know, they know it. So you know, now I'm getting to be a place to where I'm being a little bit more decisive. The past last couple of years, I would tell people like, just give me like a whole bunch of money, and I'm gonna put it together. I'm gonna give them a big gift. Like one year, I got enough money put together, and I got them like a 46 inch TV. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, why just let the family give mad random gifts when most of the time my kids break this shit anyways? So, you know, give them some direction and be able to get something, you know, of better value. And I feel like that's helping the children understand a little bit more decisively, like what's going on. But above all, the biggest thing was was letting them understand that you're getting this love and affection. That's the residual value of me being a part of this lineage. Mm. And and that's how we can learn to turn this in. And, and, and the old standard was I couldn't afford it for them. And someone else had to get it for them. The new standard and this new earth dealing like everyone is a part of the equation so great you got it for them I can go get them this stuff like what you're supplying to your children is generational wealth that's priceless it's priceless and it's gonna 
it's going to reap residual value in your grandchildren and your great grandchildren. So that's just me giving you some big ups. <laughs> I appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, because you know all of this wealth. You know, I, I, like as you were sharing your story, it was it was allowing me to think about like the things that I my upbringing and I like my simple story that I'll share was my mother got pregnant at 17 with her oldest. And when I was younger, I wasn't as conscious as I am now, but I did what I could do. And I was like, I want to make sure I make it past the age of what my mother did, because then I know that I have set myself on a different course. And that's why I kind of asked, that's why I asked you the question about like where you see your children at. Did they get past that hurdle? You know, because now you can at least know that they're on another course. They're already on another course. You've already done your job. Mm. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And these accolades is honestly what I feel like will be the best thing that we can give ourselves. Will only happen through sharing, right? Because if you don't share, I can't care. So, like, that's the only way that it's going to be able to be um, uplifted and understand that, you know, without this traumatic trauma, would you have been so hell-bent at going against the grain? Or would would it have been easier for you to stay in your conditioning? Mm Mm-hmm. Nah, because it was it it was a accumulation of things that I just I was not I was not feeling or agreeing with. I just I've, I I make jokes about uh my abuse because that's how I deal with things. And one of my jokes was, uh, you know, um, I hear stories of myself when I was a child. You know, I was more I was a hot rock. I was very stubborn. You know, don't give me my way. Fine. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. How long you gonna go without getting my way? Like I always like I that's the kind of energy I was, you know, prior to the abuse. You know, I didn't bite my tongue for anybody. I don't tell no secrets around me or nothing because I'm gonna repeat it around a person that need to hear it. That was me. So, you know, I make a joke about the abuse kind of humbling me in those senses of when I say I want something, I want it and I want it when I want it. And also me not biting my tongue. I bite my tongue a lot now as an adult. And I'm kind of like in this people pleasing thing where it's like, I just, you know, want to be around spaces and, you know, places and, and it be peace. So I'll do anything to keep peace. And it brings me back to that child that was like, all right, let me make sure I did my bed. Let me make sure I put the hospital corners on the bed. It's bed straight. Is and I could just keep coming in the room and looking at the room to make sure everything is okay because and it just always felt like no matter what I did, I always got hit anyway. But like I, I still would just go back and check like 10, 20 times. Like, is everything okay? Is everything and I do that now. I do that with my kids. I'll check on their, I'll check on them, you know, 10, 20 times just to make sure we're still on good terms. Like, y'all good? Y'all need anything? Is everything okay? Just stand up there. I come around my mom, like, you good? Everything good? You need it? Like, I just, I do that with everything. And it, it gets tiring and taxing on me a lot. And I don't know where I was going with this because I do speak in spirals. <laughs> but like, you know, um, yeah where was I going with this well we were speaking about um the shift of the conditioning like how it helped you to come out of the conditioning 
and um, being able to see like all of the things that has happened. Well, yeah, that, that's definitely one thing. I'm more aware of the things that I do. My lack of trust with other people, not letting people in, that I'll do it myself type energy, the checking on everything all the time. You know, I notice when I'm going, tapping back into that little girl that was in that situation. Mm. Okay, so now I remember my thought I was going to say to you. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to say that it's okay to be so responsive, checking right what's not okay is not giving yourself appreciation for doing that that could be the dwindling of your energy Mm -hmm. you know like I know it's so tough and I talk to a lot of the people in the tribe and I'm 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 gonna be penciling in on self-care pretty soon it's gonna be a big thing that I start talking about because I'm gonna start creating some safe space videos and being able to understand that we're in a deficit of positive energy. We are in a deficit. We're getting energy, right? But it's in a deficit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I say that to say that because we're in a deflated community, the responsibility for you to pump yourself up is so important. So, like, think about, like, the 80s, and they had those, I don't know, it was Nike, and they had the Nike pumps, and you would have to pump your shoes a a couple of times throughout the day. That pump wouldn't stay pumped, you know, throughout the whole day. It's It's something that you have to keep reminding yourself, keep reminding yourself. And when you do that, you'll do less, too, because when you take time to appreciate yourself, it does take away time for you overdoing yourself, <laughs> you know, cause there's only so much time in the day. Oh yeah. That's definitely something that I've absorbed during the onboarding process of I, that I've noticed that, you know, I, I would make these ridiculous to-do lists and all these things had to be done or I couldn't go to sleep and I'm and doing like the cleansings and the onboarding process. Um, there was one where it was like the five things you do when you wake up and that like, you know, assisted me with that pro- productivity mentality that I had where mm-hmm. I had to get this chunky ass to-do list done. Uh, you know, I had to make a certain amount of money in a day, like all these things. And it was just like, you know, thank yourself, thank yourself. And then my mother, she's so supportive but she kind of is standoffish when she gives me advice. <laughs> and um, she was just like, you know, you do a lot. And what you don't realize is having a business is different because whereas when you're at a job, you work to make money, but you still don't get paid until that Friday or every other Friday. And you're okay with that. But when you have a business, you can work and work and work for months and not make money. And so that project is finished or whatever. And then you make your, your abundance, but you have to learn how to utilize that abundance. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I don't give as a business owner, I don't give myself that because I've been waiting for, I, um, I want the fruit when I put the seed in, otherwise I haven't been productive and I wasted my time. Right. Right. So you need to create yourself a seasonal chart. And since yeah. you're an astrologer by nature, I think that would be perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That sounds good. 
that's that's why Arizona's there. Arizona's there, so I could slow down. <laughs> right, Arizona will help you do that. Yeah. Um, but this has been an amazing conversation. I know that we can talk forever about healing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I appreciate you for being candid and sharing your space and how you've been putting the icing on your cake. That's going to be a new phrase for me. I like that. Can we make that the episode title? Yes. Icing on the, <laughs> yes. icing on the, icing on the cake. <laughs> I definitely wrote that down. So um, before before we uh, jump off here, I just want to end with some empowered tips. And as we were you know, discussing a little bit about your journey, how do you feel would be the best empowered tips to share for the audience to get through their emotional memories? Be patient with yourself. Be present most definitely. And definitely show yourself gratitude for the spaces and places that you have grown and evolved from. I appreciate that. And I'll I'll uh, add to that, extend that, and just know that our ability to be better is created in our moments to accept, the quickest moment that we can accept. So if you can accept today that you are better, tomorrow you get to be even better than you were yesterday. And you keep adding to that, adding to that, adding to that. Eventually, you'll be 20 paces into your better moments. And you'll be 20 paces away from your least favorite moment. And at that point, you have a choice to decide. You can either walk backwards or you can just keep going forward. But at the end of the day, it's all about how you want to see the icing on your cake. (laughs) (laughs) And and if other people want to eat the cake, you know, because, you know, we're all cooks out there. But if we're not cooking for the public, then we're just cooking for ourselves. And that's something. (laughs) So please, Sunshine, let us know where can we find you to find out more about what you have in store for your tribe. You can find me in all spaces, Less Nobodies, Less Nobodies Business, LLC on Instagram, Less Nobodies on YouTube and Facebook. And LessNobodiesCollection.com is my website where you can most definitely subscribe to the website and get updates on events, products. Um, I do have a chat room on my website and a bunch of other things. I am an energetic awareness uh, healer. So if you want assistance on becoming aware and healing your energy, I'm definitely here and transparent and open to do so. (laughs) Ashe, thank you so much. And for those of you that want to learn more about the onboarding process, go ahead and hop on to my Instagram account. It's jdl.enterprises. And you can learn more about the 99-day process and how you can get yourself in alignment with your paradigm and your mission. With that, I'm Mahatma Starseed, and we are so thankful for all of you out there listening. Much love and lights. Peace, peace.